Welcome back to the DJ's Aviation Podcast. Thank you very much for tuning in. Today is a bit of a different one. Now, if you listened to the last episode, I'm not exactly sure what I said the next episode was going to be, but I remember that I do have an interview to roll out in podcast form with an, a, a CEO within the aviation industry. This was an interview that was meant to take place, I believe, last year. I asked my community some questions, and the questions that were I guess you could say, given the most amount of thumbs up on the YouTube community post, have been put forward. I was able to interview the CEO of the, I guess you could say, very, how would I put it, scrutinized, disgust, and is there another word to describe it? Not really. I think those are probably two great words uh, of the Avatar Airlines CEO, an airline that is a startup that hasn't really started One thing when it came to this interview that I wanted to do was not um, put forward questions that were, I don't know, as an example, what an amazing airline concept. I can't wait to fly on it. Can I get free flights? That was not what I wanted. So I was completely prepared for this not to go through as I did pick the hard hitting questions that were really going to give them, I guess you could say, a um, just push them to answer me with something that is meaningful. And I do have the responses back. I asked, I believe, how many questions? Six different questions, all from uh, it being a scam to why on earth would you pick the 747s? And I have got answers, but obviously before I get into what they said back to me, the CEO, I want to kind of take a look at Avatar Airlines as a whole. For anyone that may not have heard of them, they have been covered on the YouTube channel before, so you're more than welcome to go back and have a look at some of those videos. But basically, they're a startup from 1990 that have not flown. Now, there's many airlines that come and go. There's many airlines that attempt to start up and never get there. But one thing that has remained true for Avatar Airlines is their ambition, or at least what they're trying to be perceived as, and that is a legitimate airline that is looking to start up. Um, just because I've been given the interview doesn't mean I'm going to go out and say, oh, what? It's, it's amazing. It's definitely going to work. I think that uh, if we have a look here, I have some information that I've already pre-written down with regards to this. They were previously known as Family Airlines and were meant to be an American low-cost carrier, and they were basically founded in 1992, and they still have never flown, even though you could argue that the 1990s was far better to start with maybe the 747s. However, since the 1990s until today in 2021, their intention has been to fly with the Boeing 747s on domestic services. Now, that is your three to five hour flights. I guess you could say that's pretty questionable considering most airlines that are looking to fly three to five hours will utilize something like the 737, maybe the A320, A321 and so on. Definitely will not be going with a 747. Of course, though, if we're talking in the 1990s, maybe it'd be a little bit easier to understand. But I think now today in 2020, we can all probably agree that it's it's a bit wishful thinking to think they could have a massive large array of 747s flying and be profitable. So those were another one of the questions. Well, that part of me was another one of the questions that I put forward to them, which we'll get into. But seeing we're starting in the 1990s, let's work our way through. The airline actually gained a lot of attention back in the 1990s as they were going to be offering pretty cheap flights with the 747s while offering a very good product on board. Eventually, though, this would not fabricate and that would collapse. They came back, though, in 2010 under a new name, and that was Avatar Airlines, and that is how we technically know them today, but uh, we've been given a little bit of an update on their naming that will be discussed in the interview portion of this podcast But yeah, so in 2010, they became known as Avatar Airlines. 
but the application to fly, of course, was not successful. It's been 11 years since then, and we've got no real updates. Of course, they've been looking for investors to try and secure money to get the operations underway. Uh, and every year they give a new update, and every six months they maybe pop up saying, oh, we're trying to recruit, we're holding this webinar, but I feel like nothing ever fabricates. They, they are still are basically at where they were at in 1992. And we've seen an airline like, say, Breeze Airways. That's a startup that is now f- oh, about to start flying, pardon me. Um, I think that's a perfect example of an airline that has a proper foundation and a proper backing and, and a business plan that is going to work. They're about to launch, and I know they've been killing it with the sales, and they've found a market that suits them. I just feel like for Avatar Airlines, it's basically too steep. But that is the general gist. Take it in a brief sentence of an airline that has been wanting to start for 31 years or so and is still no close to flying than it was in 1992. With that being said, it was going to always prove a very interesting interview to hear what they had to say, and I'll dissect each question with my own personal opinion. That's why it's being done in a podcast. Um, and yeah, I can I can ramble onto each question. And, and like I've said, in many, many podcasts, that you have, if you have any thoughts, pardon me, on the answers that are given, you're more than welcome to shoot through an email and maybe we can look at doing a review of the question and answer portion of this podcast. But with that being said, I thought I would, I guess, go over the questions that I did put forward and then we'll begin with the answers. So the first question I asked was, and this was a community question, I just wanted to uh, make that known again. They're not my questions, they're ones that I uh, pulled from the community that they wanted me to ask. So the first one is, you're after the Boeing 747 currently, however, why would you choose an older, less fuel-efficient aircraft when you have an abundance of newer and cheaper-to-operate aircraft, and we're talking like the 737s, A320s, and so on, as naturally a new startup in 2021 would probably want to go with those even if they were second-hand. Um, I thought I'd just get straight onto the response. Um, the first response I got was the 747-400 is not all that less fuel efficient, as it may seem. Uh, the standard unit of measurement in the industry is cost per seat mile, and when you divide our cost by 581 seats, this is actually how the airline is going to be planning on configuring their 747s. They would have 581 seats and lots of fast miles. The 747-400 is still one of the most efficient aircraft available today. Also, all those other newer, cheaper-to-operate planes cost about 10, 20, even 30 times as much as a used 747-400. Airlines are parking their 747-400s now at an alarming rate, and the cost per plane has gone so low would be foolish to consider anything else at this time. And while naturally you can get a Boeing 747 on the cheap, you could also look for other aircraft that may be cheaper, would not be uh, for engines and ultimately it would be more fuel efficient. I think once again, this is a very interesting response. It's something I expected um, and he's going to get into in future questions about the idea of filling those 581 seats, but I'm not going to lie. I think that's a bit of a a bold, how I put it, assumption, if you will, that you're going to be able to expectation that you'd fill 581 seats on the 747. When you think about all the other that the root competition that they're going to have, that you, you'd, you'd be saying you're going from, say, American Airlines to Avatar Airlines. It's a, it's a big thing, to say at the very least, um, of filling those seats. With that being said, the second question that I put forward from the community to the CEO was, should you require the 747s? How do you plan on competing in today's aviation climate with older, less fuel-efficient aircraft? This is continuing on from what I basically hinted at just in the last question where I was going into the discussion uh, premise of it all, and that is, 
how would you even utilize the 747 when you have American Airlines, Southwest? You're going to soon to have Breeze Airways. You've already got another new carrier that has just come into the market in the western part of the United States. You have JetBlue. The list can go on and on. And I think one of these things that we have to make note is that all these mainline US carriers are established. They're not, say, how do I explain it? They're not, say, a brand new carrier. Breeze is definitely a new one. But they've got the backing of David Nealman, who obviously founded JetBlue. I feel like his industry experience is going to be valuable to Breeze Airways moving forward when it comes to a structured business plan that actually has a chance of succeeding past five years. I often like to take a look at airlines and think to myself, well, will they be here in five years? And I think we've seen many startups in the past which are cool, but cool doesn't really mean that it will last. Italy is a perfect example of an airline that came through, had the ambition to become Italy's flag carrier, take over the struggling Alitalia, and right now they're not in operation. Alitalia is, and they still have their struggles, but at the end of the day, Alitalia is still here, and Air Italy failed within, I believe it was two years, albeit they struggled with the grounding of the 737 MAX, but that didn't go according to plan. And I think if anything, for them, the Indian market, pardon not me, not Indian, pardon me, the Italian market really struggled to have two carriers. Um, as we know, Alitalia was already struggling because you had low cost units like Ryanair, EasyJet and more flying through Italy. It just became hard for a mainline carrier to fly. With that being said, his answer to the second question, which just to reiterate was, should you acquire the Boeing 747s? How do you plan on competing in today's aviation climate? He went on to say, by filling the planes with 581 passengers at such low fares, we expect that near every seat will be occupied. A bold claim? Let me know. Again, refer to the cost per available seat mile. Additionally, the 747-400 can carry a tremendous amount of cargo, especially since we're not carrying thousands of pounds of fuel because we're not flying long-haul international. Only domestic flights of about three to five hours average. And Avatar plans on branding our planes, and this is, I guess you could say, a bit of a... It made me giggle a little bit, but I think it's very... It's interesting, to say the least. They plan on branding their planes with advertisements for everything from casinos in Vegas to restaurants and beer and who knows what else. Ads on the overhead bins like a city bus, ads on the tray tables and winglets, and probably wrap the whole plane like for any sponsor. Now, he actually provided me with two pictures um, attached to this answer, and they were your concept planes that have the Coca-Cola on them or... Uh, something like that or as an example we saw the pepsi concord in the past and and that was what he was basically referring to of that is what the aircraft would be and it'd be just basically a sponsorship magnet with brands all over it i guess you could take a look uh, if anyone that is into sports and looks at football jerseys when i say football for the americans listening it's soccer you see some in different countries and they're just riddled with various different kit sponsors whether it be restaurants betting and there might be 150 sponsors on the shirt and it's completely unrecognizable. This is what it seems Avatar would be wanting to do in the future if they were to ever get flying. I think that's a very, very bold claim, to be honest. I just can't see that happening. He went on to say, um, while we won't badger our customers with baggage fees and Wi-Fi fees, there'll be onboard food and other amenities some may desire. Avatar will be quite profitable from many sources of revenue besides airfares. I just see this as as someone who naturally I don't have industry experience, but I read a hell of a lot and I have seen everything that's been happening in this in the industry part of me in recent years. I've seen startups come and go. I've seen low cost units 
and looked at what they're offering in comparison to another airline and the idea of having no baggage fees and Wi-Fi fees and keeping the fares really low and expecting to sell a 747 out every single time with 581 passengers and then expecting to have all the sponsorships, it feels a little bit out of touch to be able to achieve that. Nevertheless, if it was to happen, I think it'd be very cool, but I just find it very hard to believe that that would be possible in today's market. Um, maybe as a week-long joyride where they burn through millions upon millions to have this happen and then collapse. But once again, it, it seems to be very much like, well, this is going to happen. As an example, let's say you could be buying, you listening could be looking to buy a house and you're like, I'm going to buy the, the mansion which with 50 bedrooms. And you go and you're, let's say, in battle with a bunch of other people to buy it. But a year in advance, you already are saying, well, I'm going to be living in there. I'm going to be having all my TVs set up. But are you? Because history would say that it's probably unlikely. And also, it doesn't seem logical or reasonable. With that being said, that was the answer. Again, quite interesting that he made reference to, say, a Burger King livery or Coca-Cola to be able to have sponsors on the planes. Um, Yeah. We often see special liveries, but at the very most, they say a decal towards the back of the plane, unless it is a major sponsorship. I'm going to go to something I'm personally very much interested in, and that is Star Wars. And as you have a look, there's been deals with United Airlines for their 737 Star Wars livery in the past. We've also seen ANA with their three Star I believe it was three, or was it four? Either way, they've had Star Wars liveries, and, and you can go on and on with special deals, but... The key difference is it was only one or two aircraft. It wasn't the entire fleet. Basically, what Avatar is saying they want to do is get every single aircraft decked out in something like, say, um, that United 737, which was for the Rise of Skywalker movie, and one side was for the dark side, and one side was for the light side. And for people that aren't into Star Wars, it basically meant that the two sides were different. While they still had the same black wrap, the two sides were different. One had blue on the tail and, uh, sorry, one side had blue, one side had red. Uh, so yeah, it's very bold. But anyway, the next question that I got from the community, well, how will you overcome the multiple rejections from the Department of Transportation as there has been reported that there's been multiple? Um, we'll have to see if they get rejected again, but this was the answer um, I was provided. Also, excuse any background sounds. We've actually been having a thunderstorm with quite a fair bit of lightning. So hopefully nothing cuts out while I'm trying to record this. So yeah, regarding the rejections from the Department of Transportation, which if you were unaware, still to this day remains crucial for an airline that wishes to get to the skies. Without that, they're not they're not getting anywhere. They're just not going to be able to fly. He went on to say, we don't know about multiple. Avatar has applied twice, once in 2011 and then again in late 2019. And that's when the 2019 one was when I was around. And that was when I guess they reappeared into headlines. Um, and as we believe is the case, they misunderstood our funding investor seeking program. Um, they thought it was over when it had yet to begin. The Department of Transportation replied they could not understand how anyone could build an airline without full funding and payroll for its employees. They never heard of unpaid volunteers working from home during a COVID pandemic, as we have been doing for over a year now. To overcome previous rejections, Avatar has already requested a reconsideration of the recent rejection, and if necessary, we will simply start again with a new application. Uh, taking a look at this, I, I guess you could look at it and be like, well, that makes sense, but I think one of the key things that has been left out is... Uh, the answer completely ignores the DOT's response, which was, how are you going to be profitable with this? 
the answer here is in relation to working from home to set up the airline. But I guess it's sort of a newsflash. How are you going to be able to work from home when it comes to employees and a plane in the skies? You can't be working from home. Your cabin crew cannot work from home. And I think that was the DOT's main concern because in 2019, I thought I'd mention the pandemic was not around. So it kind of makes sense why the Department of Transportation have those concerns. And I don't think in the response to this question, it's really been addressed. Um, because personally, I completely uh, get people working from home during a COVID pandemic. I just think that it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And this idea of a new application goes back to this thing of from 1992, it, it continues to happen. Um I guess you could say it's over and over again, new applications, brand changes coming back, but it's still the same business model that has a reason why it's been rejected. And I guess you could say have a reason why it it gets so heavily scrutinized and criticized. I mean, when I publish a video about it, it's, it's a scam. It's, it's all that. And, and I will get to this, this question of the whole, it's a scam. I do get a response to that, but it's, it's that kind of thing of, I just don't understand how it's going to be made possible. (laughs) Either way, the fourth question is, do you believe the fact it's been an almost 30-year process to launch the carrier will simply scare investors off as there seems to be no actual end in sight? And this is something that is worth noting is that it's been so long. Why would anyone want to invest, especially if for the vast majority of people, it seems to be that are not inside the company, it, it doesn't seem like a good idea. He went on to say, it's not the same carrier as in previous attempts. We have a totally new slate of routes, better airplanes. We were planning 747-300s 15 years ago. New location, Florida base, no longer Las Vegas, and an entirely new set of management and employees with vast experience in the industry and a new name, Avatar, which is what I wanted to get into in a second, and I briefly mentioned it before. Investors should look at Avatar as a new airline, not related to anything in the past other than the brilliant concept and ideas of the founder. And there will be an end in sight as soon as we get the funding and convince the DOT and the FAA we're serious about getting an airline into the sky. Now, if you read this, this for anyone is is brilliant. And I think it, it, you can look at it from two different angles and one that it's very exciting and another angle that it seems like, well, haven't we heard this already? Have, hasn't this happened multiple times? Um, I think what's interesting is he was saying we were planning 747-300 some 15 years ago. They're still looking for dated 747s. Now, they could be used 747-400s or, or whatever, but they're certainly not looking for modern aircraft to, to lead them into the future because I think what's very important to note is, yes, they can definitely use these 747s to get them, I guess you could say, to get them moving and get the ball rolling, but they aren't. those 747s are not going to be with them in 10 years' time. They have a, a certain shelf life and the maintenance cost is just going to grow and grow and grow. And and yes, they may then become cheaper to buy, but it's one of those things of, and I'm sure the best analogy I can give you is, let's say you went out and bought an old car. It, it may be crap, let's say. It might have rot everywhere, rust, disgusting seats. The transmission must might not work. There might be fuel leaks and all that. You bought it cheap. Brilliant. But the amount to maintain it and then have it moving forward actually working is ridiculous. And and that's something that I have to consider because a lot of the 747s that have just been scrapped, if you will, are not in working condition or are not ready to simply return to service. Yes, there might be a few, but it's certainly not a huge lot. I mean, you've seen the graveyards. The 747s are treated pretty poorly. It's, It's quite a sad sight seeing them get so frequently destroyed. And the ones that do remain in a very good working condition are the ones that often have been preserved at museums and will certainly not be purchased because they are 
part of history, if you know what I mean. Uh, so that is something also to consider. With that, um, I wanted to just touch on the idea that it's no longer Avatar Airlines, it's Avatar. That is not something I think that has been said before. Um, does it make any any bit of a difference? I'm not sure. Does that mean that since the 2019 application where they were known as Avatar Airlines, they've changed? So does that mean there's been more applications? I'm not sure. We'll have to wait and see on that front. Uh, number five, would you be directly... This is another community-related um, question, like they all have been. It was, will you be directly looking at the collapse of Pan Am due to their love and dedication for the 747s and analysing where they went wrong? I think this was an interesting competi- uh, a question, pardon me. I think it makes... Also, I think it makes sense, but it also doesn't um, at the same time, if that's possible. Naturally, it was a, a long time ago, but also you have to analyse competition. You have to analyse airlines that have had a similar business model. You have to analyse basically everything if you're deadly serious about starting an airline. It's it's important. Um, as an example, if you're a new low-cost unit, it'd be foolish of you to not look at Ryanair or EasyJet's business model. It'd also be foolish of you not to look at collapsed low-cost units and see where they went wrong because you don't want that happening to you. The response here I got was no, that was totally unrelated to the Avatar concept. We're not struggling to compete with long-haul international carriers. This is a new package with many profit centers, and anything Pan Am did is of no concern to us, and it wasn't the 747 that collapsed Pan Am. Many other airlines not only acquired Pan Am route system, pilots, flight attendants, and their airplanes, and continue to operate quite successfully for a couple more decades. Uh, the next question is the the final question of this podcast, and I'd also argue probably the biggest. Um, I'm saving the biggest for last, and I'll be very interested to hear anyone's thoughts. If anyone wants to shoot me an email or, or a message on Twitter, having less, listened to this, but uh, it was the question that I received the most, and it was, "What do you say to the masses who believe that Avatar Airlines or Avatar, as they're now apparently known, is simply a scam?" He said, "We say this is not a scam. This is a serious endeavor to start up an airline." We have no reason nor method to cheat anyone. We will use every single dollar invested to work toward getting the airline certified and flying. Everyone in the airline has learned from the mistakes that were made in the past, and we are taking these learnings and forging a new path forward to success. Tell us how that is a scam, because we cannot understand how they think it could be. And I think that's an interesting question to maybe pose and push to you listening. I think... On a whole, it's very interesting responses. I think there's some things that have been uh, left out, of course, and there are some things where you could definitely go back and and question and look a little bit deeper. But at the end of the day, it it's great to at least have something different here on the podcast, an interview, even if it's not a Emirates CEO or a Qatar Airlines Airways CEO, pardon me, or a United Media Manager. Um, for people always uh, people wanting that. I don't have connections within the aviation industry. I very much keep to myself. So I don't have, say, 500 different friends or I don't know 700 people or 1,000 people or I don't know this man who knows this man. I'm very much isolated, which means getting any sort of opportunity, unfortunately, is pretty rare for me, whether it be media-related, whether it be interview-related, um, whether it be contacts within the industry. They're, they're pretty much non-existent for me and they have been non-existent since I started doing any of this. And it's something I'm content with. Obviously, I love to bring people all these things, but also at the same time, I'm aware that it just is not something that's going to happen. So 
I have to take it as it comes. This is an interesting interview, I hope, for people that have listened and have got a little bit more insight. Even if in 10 years' time, Avatar has not fabricated into anything and they're still saying the same thing, I hope at the very least you found this interesting and um, maybe learnt a little bit more. Maybe I've created some sort of discussion in your head or dialogue in your head where you can start thinking about, well, what if this airline did this this way? Is there a better way that Avatar could appear within the aviation industry? Once again, their goal is to focus on the United States sector. Um, I definitely think there are better ways they could go about it. I think there's ways that you could actually see them launch, but it doesn't seem they want to budge from the idea of operating 747s low cost on these services which is, uh, I guess you could say, unfortunate. I mean, it's also positive that they're sticking to their guns and they really want to make this happen. But I think logically, we're not going to see them flying anytime soon if the DOT, the Department of Transportation, once again, and even the Federal Aviation Administration have these concerns with how they're appearing and what they're going to be offering. I think another takeaway to conclude is... um, configuring their 747s with what was it i believe something like 581 seats cool on the surface a what i would believe an all economy layout Um, but you have to fill all those 581 seats and it isn't like they're going to be flying on routes that have no competition i'll go once again back to the new domestic carriers within the united states focus being breeze airways these carriers are launching on routes that are largely going to be uncontested i think something like some of these new airlines are getting 80 percent of the market share because it was only really really small regional operators or even it was one service a week and now all of a sudden with the introduction of breeze airways there's four services a week it means that more people will fly it opens up tourism and it serves a purpose whereas you see the likes of avatar who would be flying what new york to los angeles you'd already be flying on these established services that have united american delta the the big three if you will and and i I don't know how i would see these three carriers which are the biggest in the world they're dominant they're a huge force where uh, no matter where you are whether in africa china australia new zealand you know of the big three within the united states to make that a big four of avatar with boeing 747s in 2022 almost in the midst of a pandemic, it's uh, it's interesting to say the least, but I, I feel like it's just not going to happen. That being said, thank you very much for listening to this interview. I hope you enjoyed. Normal service will resume next week with either another one of uh, maybe a story time about why I started YouTube or it's just going to be another one of those week in review where we talk about, I'm going to try and talk about more aviation related stuff. Um, But whether it be a week in review of aviation stuff that was not covered on the YouTube channel or maybe more discussion or if I went on a day trip, which I actually am going to Leeds this Thursday. Well, to be fair, you're listening to this three days, like something like three days after Thursday. But yeah, I've been to Leeds. I guess I should say I've been to Leeds this week. Um, That's weird for me to say that. I haven't been, but when you're listening, I will have been. So hopefully I had fun. Um, Yeah, so I guess I can update you on how that went. Uh, anything else? Second channel's going well. Thank you very much all for the support on DJ's Transport. We're at 4,500 subscribers at the time of recording, and there's a couple videos on there now. Uh, actually, to be fair, just before I started this podcast, pretty spontaneously, I was uh, editing another plane spotting video coming in at roughly seven minutes or so. So that will also be coming out on the channel very soon. Um, anything else noteworthy? Big thanks for the support on the videos. The video that went out Sunday last week, 
managed to get 70,000 views in 24 hours, which is it is mental. I'll never understand how the YouTube algorithm works, how you can go on Saturday from the video getting 6,000 views in 12 hours to then the next day it being 55,000. It will never make sense to me um, how up, down, flip-flop it is, but you got to take it as you can come, and I appreciate everyone that continues to watch the videos, whether it be on the main channel or on DJ's Transport. Final bit of news, once again, I'll say it, but if you have not joined the Discord server, please feel free to do so. It is officially partnered with Discord, and we have a vanity link there for, which means you don't have to join via one of those, I don't want to say dodgy, but the random invite codes where it's like GH573DEB. Uh, it's just dos, it's just Discord, pardon me, .gg forward slash aviation, approaching 3,000 members, um, and they're all listening right now to this podcast being recorded live, so... If you want to experience that, feel free to join the Discord server. I think that pretty much concludes the interview and the past couple of minutes of just a, a general chat on what's been going on. Uh, yeah, thank you very much, and I will see you next time. Thank you for tuning into another episode of the DJ's Aviation Podcast. If you haven't already, feel free to follow my socials, being that of YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, all under the DJ's Aviation Branding. If you're interested in seeing my large collection of car, transport, aviation, and natural landscape photography, you can check me out on Flickr. Interested maybe in also joining a Discord community with thousands of members? You can do so with the vanity URL of discord.gg forward slash aviation. Would certainly love to see you there. Until the next podcast, be safe and take care.